I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to Squanderlust, a podcast about the emotional side of money, why our actions aren't always as good as our intentions, and what we can do about it. I'm your host, Martha Lawton, and today I'm talking to money coach Kathy Boddy about how she achieved financial independence without inherited wealth or connections, without grinding 24-7 and giving up all of life's pleasures, and without spending her every moment trying to time the investment markets. Welcome, Kathy. How are you doing there? Yeah, thank you. I'm doing very well. Good. Thank you for joining us. So... We met initially through the Initiative for Financial Wellbeing because you are a money coach. And when we got chatting, you told me how you'd reached financial independence. And I just thought it was this really wholesome, reassuring, relatable story that doesn't get told about money nearly enough. And I think wholesome, reassuring and relatable. That's, I think, what people want to hear right now. (laughs) Cool. Yeah. It's really not as complicated as you might think. Indeed. So... First of all, should we talk a bit about what we mean by that term, financial independence? What what do we actually mean? Okay. Well, essentially, you don't need to work anymore. They call it uh, work optional. So we most of us live our lives rushing from paycheck to paycheck, and it almost doesn't occur to people that there is an alternative. So at the end of the day, once you can build up a pot of money, which gives an income in interest, dividends, whatever, that is enough for you to live on, happy days. Therefore, that money is paying your bills. You then choose how you spend your time. Now, you might want to carry on working. You might want to do voluntary work. You might want to travel. But the point is, it's in your control then. So it's really as simple as that. Once you've built up enough, you can do what you like. Fantastic. And I think the I don't want to, I'm not going to ask you for figures, but I think the amount that's actually necessary, no, no, I'm, we're not here for that. Um, yeah. But the amount that's actually necessary is probably a bit lower than, than people think it is. It yeah. doesn't, you don't need. Very good point. Many, yeah, many absolutely. millions. So indeed, they talk about the 4% rule and there's much debate we won't bore people with. But essentially, if you say that you take 4% uh, of your money every year and that's enough, to live on, uh, then potentially your money should last. It depends what your situation is. If you know you've got nice big fat pensions kicking in in five years' time and all you need to do is survive until then, you can just say 25 
grand a year, four years, uh, 100 grand and just use it up. But most of us don't want to use up the capital. We want it still to be there um, or at least mostly there. So that's the idea of the 4% rule. So if you're good at maths, then you'll realise that you need 25 times your income that you want in order to be able to live on 4% of the lump, if that makes sense. I went through most of my life thinking in terms of four times, uh, 5%, so uh, 20 times. But better to uh, overestimate what you need and have a bit spare uh, than mm -hmm. the opposite way round. Uh, because obviously once you've stepped off the hamster wheel, uh, if you then go, as an ex-colleague of mine once did, um, mm, I haven't got enough, it's a little bit harder to get back on. So um, overestimate what you need by a bit and have a bit of comfort factor. Because yeah. I actually uh, kind of finished work uh, on the 3rd of March this year. Now, can anybody Fantastic. remember what was happening around about then? <sighs> so I was really glad that I hadn't stepped off the year before when I kind of went, oh, I've probably got just about enough. Well, I'll maybe carry on for another year, three days a week, just to keep fluffing it up a bit more. So that was I was pleased about that as I saw the markets plummet down, although they have come back. But it still would have been a little bit more scary. <laughs> Yeah. So part of what you've just said is is really important is that in order to achieve this, people will need to not just put money aside in savings, they will need to invest. Um, and there is an element of um, understanding investment and understanding markets. But mm. the amount of understanding, I think people, as well as mm. overestimating the amount of money people need, people also really overestimate the amount of uh, knowledge about investment that they mm. actually need. Um, and I think that can be something that, that puts people off even trying to get to this point, um, exactly. is, is yeah. there's a, an image of, um, needing to be this kind of investment mm. expert. Do you have any kind of thoughts on yeah. that? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely one of the things I would say, keep it simple. Um, I have been kind of involved in the financial world. I started off in IT. It's been a bit of a meander, to be honest. Uh, but that was in an investment management house. And I, I spent many, a, some usually happy hours, but uh, spent many an hour managing my investments over the years. And you know what? I think it's probably a waste of time looking back. Um, there was Nowadays, you have things called index funds. So you can basically buy one fund, which then invests all across the world. Every, mm -hmm. you know, it basically weights it according to the value of all the firms across the world, buys a portion of their shares. That's it. You're invested in all the great companies of the world. Um, and some of those will go bust and others will boom. And so it all kind of just, um, you know, evens itself out. So if I had my time again and that was available, which it wasn't, I'm that old, um, then that would be what I'd probably do. In fact, I, I knew the guy who actually wrote the programme for the first tracker fund at uh, LNG, now I think about it. So, yes, I know it wasn't quite available um, back then. But it is really that simple. Um, it, trying to pick individual shares is a mugs game, basically. Uh, we like to think we're clever. <laughs> so we think, <laughs> oh, yes, I vested in this and didn't it do well? Aren't I clever? Um, but actually, do you know, maybe the market was going up anyway, or maybe it's going to go down again in a bit. Um, anything you think you know... The professionals almost certainly already know, and it's almost certainly already factored into the market. 
So you read the papers and the financial press and all oh, this is happening and this is a trend and you think, oh, I'm going to get on that. It's probably already gone. So really, that's largely a waste of time. So just keep it simple, spread your investments, put it away and forget about it. In fact, they did a thing, I forget which company it was, Prudential or somebody, and they looked at how well all their different investors had done. And they go, oh, these guys have done better than the average, done better than everybody else. What's what's special about them? Oh, they're dead. So wow. it's people who basically hadn't touched their investments for years because they hadn't been there. So if that doesn't tell us something about uh, not messing about with it, you're more likely to make yourself problems than you are to make it better. So, you know, have a strategy, maybe do a few side bets on interesting things. But mostly just keep it simple. But do invest because, I mean, as we all know about inflation, it's not too bad at the moment. But I remember when it was really high uh, and it comes and goes over the years. So if you pop your money in the bank at your 0.1 percent of whatever we're getting at the moment, it will be less less when you go back to it. So if you want your money to grow, you need to invest it. Um, get what education you need to get yourself comfortable about that. But trust me, you really do need to. Um, I've got a, a, an old pension um, from an old employer from years ago, and they've got a lovely little app, and it shows you, you know, this pot is worth £50,000. Well, that's nice. Uh, and it says, of this, £30,000 is investment growth. Yeah. I'm like, whoa. So more of its growth than money I actually put in. And then, yeah. of course, with pensions, you go back and you think, well, I didn't put all of it in anyway. My employer put some in and the taxman put some in. So then we used to look, well, I put in, you know, whatever, eight grand of that or something. <laughs> so it really, really shows it. So, yes, do invest. You need to. Yeah. Otherwise, it's really, really hard slog. Yeah, yeah. I think that's that's really, really important. I think people get nervous about the concept of investing and they think there are a few kind of key myths um, that you mm. hear quite a lot. And I'm sure as a money coach, you've you've heard this, too. And you've you've busted a few of them, but I want to kind of unpick mm. them a little bit here. Um, so or summarize at least. So there's there's a myth that you need to be uh, picking individual shares and you need to know a lot which you you've soundly um rebutted there <laughs> really yeah um yeah. that mm-hmm. that you know playing around picking individual shares is often the least good way of of mm. actually making money on the stock market and and instead Indeed. um buying a a small amount of shares across the market and and not really paying too much attention but just just being invested across the whole market through something like an index tracker fund um is a much mm. more it's a, it's both safer and better returns. I remember seeing a statistic, yeah. which as far as I'm aware is still true, that um, an index tracker fund will do at least as well as 75% of actively managed funds. So paying oh, yeah, for an investment manager mm. three times out of four will be worse. And, and you have no way of knowing which mm. investment manager is going to be in that top He's going to be your yeah. one in four shot before it happens. Like the past performance you is think no it's indicator. Easy. You just exactly you pick who's been good. I mean, I I used to be with the wonderful Woodford for many years, and I think I'm sure oh. I took ten percent out every year and invested it elsewhere very happily. Mm. But when he left Invesco, I thought mm, I'm not sure if it's going to continue. It's smug mm. mode. 
but just mm. luck really but and and as people possibly know that all went very peak tong so um yes uh, you somebody being good for years doesn't guarantee they will continue to be so spread Absolutely. it about and also they say the best uh, indicator of, of um, growth is what they call asset allocation Ooh, technical word um but so you have different market sectors like technology and I don't know, making different things and you have different countries in the world, geographic and that kind of thing. So it, different sectors will do really well certain years and not well other years. So it's being in the right sector at the right time is much more important than being in the right stock or whatever. So again, having a mix of those uh, keeps you invested in all of them, in the ones that are doing well and the ones that are trailing a bit. So it, averages out but if you fancy like i mean for example technology has been done, doing pretty well so you might say well i want a little 10 percent of my specifically in technology because that might just give a little bit of oomph but you don't put 100 percent in it even if it's done really well because next couple of years it might oh, all go wrong so yeah it's yeah or invested simply mm. yeah i think i think that's the thing right so so you can you can look at it like this for when you're getting started out um and if you don't have a huge amount to um to play with you want to put that into an index tracker um and be getting it spread across all markets and and also if mm. you don't want to actually have to pay attention to it because um mm. i mean my my personal take on a lot of this stuff is yes sure you can get really interested and get really into it and and, and be mm. interested in researching and finding out about sectors and what's doing well and what's not etc but an mm. awful lot of people actually want to spend the minimum amount of time and effort mm. and mental thought, mental effort on their financial admin that they possibly can um and setting it and forgetting it with something like an index mm. tracker is a is a great way of of not thinking about it and yeah, knowing fantastic. that you're going to with that minimum of thought still mm. outrank 75 percent of investment managers mm. yeah because again the most important thing is to get the money in get it in early get it in often uh, yeah. and you know that is the, the key thing uh, and i'd sort of say set it up to automatically come out of your uh, account before you even get to see your money so work out. I mean, I always say there's always somebody living on 10% less than you, right? So you can always live that lifestyle and get 10% of your money saved for you, for your future. I know it's easier said than done. And if you've got commitments and children and, and what have you, and at the moment people perhaps are struggling a bit more if they're um, dangerous, their jobs. But it, that is the key is to get the money away and forget about it, because otherwise it will just go. And this is the society we live in, and some see it as sinister. But at the end of the day, companies exist. They they make money by selling you stuff, by basically taking your money out of your bank account into theirs. Now, hopefully, you get return for it. Sometimes, hmm, you know, you buy it. You'd never wear that those clothes or you whatever. Um, but essentially, that if you don't decide what happens to your money, it will all go. So you can decide actually I don't want it to just all go I want to have some left for me for that big holiday or to buy the house or to be financially free but you have to decide and you have to ring fence that money and if you just set in place and automatically doing that and yeah as we say invest it then you'll make progress but if you don't it's just simply the years will go by yeah I think that's that's really important and that first tip about kind of really automating it putting it in your so it, so that it's spread out, so that the risk is spread out is really important. Um, 
but I think the the other thing about this is, you know, one of the the things that's such a, a myth about money is this idea of timing the market, which again you've also mm. kind of busted here with what you were saying about about the people who who've passed away being the people who've mm. actually done really really well. And I, I think that's something that frightens people is they think, oh, you know, I'm going to have to, I need to keep an eye mm. on everything all of the time. Mm. Um, yeah. But actually, in a way, when you look too often you actually frighten yourself because you notice all the times when mm. it drops. Whereas if Absolutely. if you just put money in regularly, keep topping it up mm. and check less frequently, what you'll see is the growth mm. because you'll see the average, which is which tends to be growth, as opposed to yeah. seeing the the short term, which is is yeah. more up and down. Yeah, there are statistics about what the diff from the highest high in the year to the lowest low in the year. That will be quite big and often is quite big. But the beginning to end of the year is much steadier, poorly explained. But um, yeah, as you say, if you look at it all the time, you'll see, oh, aren't I doing well? Oh, no, what a disaster. You know, just that's all completely irrelevant. If you're investing for 20, 30 years for financial independence, what happens in the first 10, 20 years is really not that important at all. It's just uh, let it be. I mean, I do tend to do do a little financial review at the end of the year. Um, Probably better to do it at a random date, but that's the way I've always done it. And, you know, I've always had a, a kind of an idea in mind. I'd like to be maybe 10 grand ahead by the end of each year or something like that. And you look and you go, oh, yeah, you know, managed it this year well not quite or didn't quite manage to save as much because I got made redundant and didn't have any uh, any money to put in but the investments have grown whatever it's just sort of you starting to see yourself moving towards where you want to be is, is very motivating because you think yeah I mean I had this idea once that you can live on a thousand a month I'm not quite sure that's true anymore but um, so when I was working in IT in a job that I found really tough no actually in finance advice um i'd go right well every thousand pounds i save is a month of freedom i'm buying i love that and through the tough years that sometimes just about got me out of bed um now you'll observe that's not really an accurate uh, target but the point is it's a motivating one and that is what's important i think you know you look back and you go okay so maybe i need a rather more than that a month but it the key thing is it, it motivates and that's that's and people can set their own targets. I mean, you know, what's a target for you now um, and mm. what might be a target for somebody else? It mm. depends on so many other factors and what people want to do. Um, yeah. But it also depends uh, on how long, as you said, people expect to be living on this, whether they've got other things that are going to yeah. kick in. Um, mm-hmm. It depends yeah. on, you know, whether people expect to have to cover any kind of big expenses or whether, for example, somebody who mm. expects to have a mortgage completely paid off, you know, Indeed. once yeah. once that mortgage is gone, that's going to be mm. um, a big expense that's gone and that, that's going to make that financial Indeed. independence a lot easier. Yeah, which is why it's good to do some form of planning. Now, obviously, I'm a financial coach. Um, Not many people are aware what they do, but they're a bit like financial advisors, financial planners, but we're not regulated by the uh, Financial Conduct Authority. We don't recommend products, but we can do a lot of the things that financial planners do. And one of the other things in recent years has emerged is a thing called cash flow modelling. Woo, what's that? But uh, basically, it means you can put in your incoming and outgoings uh, and your assets and project forward what that's going to look like. So 
most people, it's many years of building up, building up, and then many years, hopefully, of using that money. Uh, and you can put in things like upsizing, downsizing, possibly an inheritance, or be careful because you may not receive it. Uh, mm -hmm. And you can start to see what your future is currently looking like. And you can say things like, mm, oh, I'm going to run out of money at 80 Possibly, maybe if I put in a couple of hundred quid a, more, a month more, OK, that's pushed it a bit forward and you can actually play around with it. And that is incredibly powerful. I wish I'd had that 30 years ago. Uh, it would have been really uh, you know, a yeah. good tool. But you can do that either with a planner, if you can find a good one or a coach uh, or there's even online tools, you can, you know, or a spreadsheet if you're a, a spreadsheet fan. But um, just do it. Uh, don't don't just leave it to chance. Yeah, no, that that's really, really important. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bombas socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I think one of the things that I wanted to kind of pick up on with you when we were talking before um, is it's it's very easy to sort of sound like to dismiss somebody talking about doing all of these things and you know we've already given light to some of it and said you know if you can put away a percentage um mm. the total of your of your income the total amount you need maybe less than you expect um but i think there are still some kind of lies and mental models that people have around what it mm -hmm. takes to get to your position that it either takes you know inherited wealth and connections mm. or it takes mm um being an entrepreneur and that kind of that person who you hear about in the papers who first business at 15 six figure turnover mm. at 19 mm. multiple startups selling on you know blah 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 blah. if yeah. you're an employee you're a mug etc etc yeah. and I think yeah. you know again tell us a little bit about about your career path because I think I, I just want to give mm. lie to those ideas and say you because you didn't have either of those things did you no, absolutely. Yeah. And the other is a property entrepreneur. And that is a way to do it. But I didn't do that. I, I kind of slightly missed my chance to start that. And I've always done it with shares. So I just stayed with that. Um, but yes, no, I, my, I, to be fair, my grandfather did leave me £2,000, bless him. Uh, and, you know, that was actually quite handy because it allowed me to mm. buy my first car. But I certainly not a silver spoon. Um, good sound start in life. Uh, father, a doctor, mother, 
trained as a teacher and they taught me the value of money. Um, it was more about what they used to call stewardship of money. Never heard anybody else say that. But it's like, you know, if you have money, you're responsible for doing making good use of it rather than, uh, you know, having to get lots of money to, for status or, or lots of stuff. Um, so I think that was a really good start. And I was given a, uh, an allowance in my teens. I had to buy my own clothes out of kind of thing. So very mm. simply. Um, and when I first went to uni, I remember my mother had wrote me a little budget of, you know, rent and books books really yeah no I did have to buy some actually um and, uh, and that kind of thing so it was that kind of sound financial start but that was it really and then I uh, you know we had like national savings certificates and I, the idea that you could send money away and it would come back with a friend and you'd have more I like this mm -hmm. um so I thought I'd look into this further um but yeah then when I um started work and like my first salary was like twelve and a half thousand pounds a year. I thought I was absolutely in clover, um, but obviously <laughs> living in London, uh, where it's terribly expensive. So what I did was I, I just rented a room in a shared house. Which, to be fair, you know, mm -hmm. whose turn is it to clean the bathroom? Isn't the most fun way to live, but it is considerably cheaper than uh, renting a whole place. Uh, and again, that those kind of decisions are in your power that that's the point. Most think certain things are essential. You know, good housing and car and tv and subscriptions and clothes and so so many things are just accepted as you have to have well actually you really don't have you have to have you know food shelter the essentials and then you choose how much of the rest of it you spend on that uh, those more luxurious things um but yes then i gradually um you know met somebody in the house and we said, let's get out of here we rented somewhere together which was better and so you know you progress and then you start to buy a house with somebody but it, it's all kind of gradual in the meantime you know sock away what you can really um and so my fairly early in my career a, a relative who remained nameless kind of slightly more moral blackmailing me into doing an investment with her for 50 pounds a month through her it wasn't the best investment, to be fair, but it got me in the habit, which was good. Uh, and mm. so I think I just carried on from there. And then when I took out my mortgage, I managed to get an interest-only one. Uh, and this isn't for everyone, and they're harder to get now. But basically, rather than saying tying yourself in to repay it over the years, you only pay the interest, which is a lot cheaper. And then the money you would have spent on repaying it, you invest. So I did actually, it's probably one time I actually sat down with an advisor, to be honest, and uh, he said £250 a month invested, and we worked out how to spread the investment, different sectors, uh, and that will get it paid off in 25 years, whatever it was. Um, and so I did that for many years, and that, that's great because the investments were growing um, on average faster than the interest rate was. So yeah. I ended up being able to pay off a, a bigger chunk of the mortgage sooner. I didn't do it right to the end because at the end of the day, decisions even for someone who's into it like me it's not all about the numbers it's more about how you feel yeah. and I know if I'd have carried on investing for another 10 years I'd have probably had more money right now than by paying it off earlier but having the mortgage paid off is oh, that feels really nice you know this yeah. little patch of earth particularly through lockdown and everything we're in our little garden going this is ours you know where's yeah. our potatoes we're growing um so you know make don't you know make your decisions based on what makes you feel um happy and comfortable and same with investment you know if you know that you're going to wake up in a cold sweat if the market goes down 10 percent, then you know maybe you need to ease yourself in gradually but if you if you once you've built up a bit of tolerance to that and go yeah okay when i one of my end of year reviews 2008 i think i was down 35 percent in the year 
Ooh. That was not a fun review. I can't say I enjoyed that one, but I hung in there, gripped my teeth, <laughs> ignored it, got on with my life, and of course, things come back. So yeah. yes, you need to know what you can tolerate. They call it um, you know, attitude to risk. There's tools again online you can get or work with someone to find out what that is. But it isn't static. You know, people often start off thinking, oh, I dip my toe in, and then mm-hmm. oh, actually, yeah, maybe. And then so don't uh, do revisit it. Don't just think it's stuck forever. Um, yeah and and, I think the uh, other thing a couple of other points to sort of sit alongside that so so I I do not have an interest only mortgage I I understand it and I understand the concept and I understand why somebody might choose to do that Um, but I'm personally I have a different attitude to risk so I have Mm. a repayment mortgage I'm much more comfortable knowing for Mm. sure that I'm paying off paying money off that that mortgage every uh, month that we go ahead and um, but I I'm still comfortable with with investing and and with with investing in the stock market and and hmm. um, with putting perhaps a higher percentage of my savings money towards the stock market than some people would be. I don't feel like I need yeah. to have as big a cushion of cash um, as some mm-hmm. people might do before they start putting hmm. money into the stock market. And so I think there's a yes, it's a really good idea to get um, professional advice if you can get it, and yes, it's a good idea to really think about what you're comfortable with and what you're not comfortable with and yes it's a really good idea to actually go out and do some reading and research the facts around what the risks actually are as opposed to what Mm. your perceived risks are because I think Mm. a lot of people have this real perception of the stock market being very very risky um, and Mm. they hear about things like 2008 35 percent of my Mm. investment got wiped out but Mm. um so somebody I was talking to recently, a financial advisor I was talking to recently said, uh, the news never tells you billions wiped onto stock market. They only ever tell you billions wiped mm. off stock market. And so the perception yeah. is because the way the news is reported, the, the news always says when the stock market goes down, it gets onto the front pages. And the rest of the time yeah. when it's just sort of gradually climbing up again it's yeah. it's you know kept in the financial pages and it doesn't get into the ears yeah. of ordinary people who aren't paying attention yeah. so much well, it's to not news, finance. Is it? it's, no nobody's interested are they you know people quietly making money on stock market shock horror probe no that's just not going to make any page is it <laughs> yeah no it's yeah. it's i think the finances are the, the financial news is almost more like if it bleeds it leads than any other part mm. of of the news frankly They're all pretty much as bad yeah yeah or it's like how to save a few pennies on your this that or the other and yeah okay good idea you know shop around for your energy supply these are good things to do but that gets all the attention and actually quietly building up invested wealth just not doesn't get the airtime does it yeah and i mean the other reason i wanted to talk to you and i think that there's so there's a while we're on this topic the other end of the stories that we get told. So we get this to- told these stories, the investment guru, the entrepreneur, the heir, the property magnate, you know, these mm. are the people who make money. And we get told mm. everybody else who's not those people. We get told mm. anytime a pension firm goes bust, we get told anytime, you know, an employer steals people's pensions or, you know, whatever else. It's always mm. unless you are the investment guru, the mm. entrepreneur, the heir, the property magnate, Mm. investing money is a is a problem because it'll be stolen in some way or it'll be it'll be lost in some way and all the people like yourself who actually have been able to put money aside regularly have made their money nobody nicked it 
you, you know, you, you're getting to enjoy the benefit of it. That's not news. I uh, know, but I mean, like the financial services compensation scheme, everybody I think knows about that now, about your 85 grand limit and the, the government will make sure that you don't lose that much. But, you know, even when Northern Rock was going, um, you know, went bust or whatever it did, the government actually paid everybody out the whole amount. Nobody lost any money, even people who had more than that. So at that point of view, but it, there's now the Pension Protection Fund. I won't bore you with the technicalities, but essentially the government underwriting, you know, most of... Uh, of your pensions, even if your you know, employer can't follow through on their pension commitments and stuff like this. So there's an awful lot of protections in place as well, but also mostly just, as you say, massive losses are usually a small portion for a small percentage of the time. The, uh, over the years, the markets march quietly on upwards and you know, get on board and get some in your pockets, really. <laughs> yeah, well, this is it. And and so I wanted to to bring you on because I wanted to say here is someone here is the story here's the the thing that just doesn't get said because it's because it's not if it bleeds it leads you know and it's yeah, not absolutely. how to get rich quick by being a you know macho person in red braces yeah, sneering okay. at everybody yeah. else and talking about his options well, that's one of the and... other interesting <laughs> stories in recent years is is um it used to be called uh, ESG, what's it called? Environmental, social and government mm. used to be called ethical investing. have uh, actually done rather well. So this mm. idea of you can only get rich if you do somebody else down, which is another myth. Um, mm. Again, with financial coaching, it's a lot about the mindset and the negative images people have about people who have any wealth, you know, that they're bad people in some way. But you can actually invest your money, make a profit and actually support businesses that are doing good things in the world. So if that's mm. something that concerns you, again, research it and find out and, and get um, yeah. I did. Uh, there's, we... uh, there's various online things and apps even now. People like Nutmeg and Money Farm, if you know them, and you literally do a little questionnaire about what your attitude to risk is, how much you're putting in, and they go off and they invest it for you with the spread stuff. Um, and when I started that with Nutmeg, I did one with the ESG fund and one with the normal fund just to compare. Mm-hmm. I am that geeky, and um, actually, yeah, the ESG's done very nicely. I've been the other one, and I've just got the uh, got that one. So you know, money can be doing good as well as you know obviously some is more exploitative than others but your money can do good and make you a return as well very nice we actually have an entire episode on um investing ethically um oh, which is yeah we so we we have a financial advisor and um a really interesting innovative uh fintech talking about those yeah. um so yeah. that is another episode of squanderlust that people mm. will be able to listen to so it's a yeah That's good I agree. I think it's really important that people understand that investing doesn't have to mean that you're in some way doing somebody else out of something. Mm, Yeah. Do you have any thoughts? Because we're talking as if we're sort of talking in really broad brushstrokes and we're talking Mm. as if people have all the time in the world and our listeners Mm -hmm. are a broad range of ages. So I think... Mm. Um, just to wrap up, it might be a good idea to do kind of two, three tips for different age groups. So a lot of what we've talked about today has been most relevant for, uh, I guess, younger people, um, people just starting out. But if you give us uh, two, three tips for younger people who are sort of beginning of the career, two, three tips for people who are in kind of middle age um, and then two, three tips for people who are kind of heading towards retirement who might think they've left it too late. Um that would be really, really, 
useful, I think, for our listeners. Home. I'm not sure I've got quite that many, and I think <laughs> I've given a few of them away already, but I'll see what I can do. Well, that's fine, because it can be a recap. That's fine. So, so, uh, <laughs> two, two so tips first thing with the youngsters for young people is yeah. young people start now. <laughs> Sorry, but the thing is, you tend to think when you're young, oh, it doesn't matter. That's ages away. And I know, like in your 20s, being able to retire at um, 60 instead of 67, oh, what difference does it make? You're old then, anyway. Believe me, if you're still working in a job and you're really struggling at 62, having five more years of freedom would be really, really important. So uh, even though it's a long way away, give a present to your future self and get it started, um, even if it's small. Now, as I say, I started on £50 a month. It's barely over a tenner a week. Easily, most of us fritter that away. And I won't say the takeaway coffee, because that's a hackneyed analogy, mm. but really little things that we just treat ourselves to and you, you don't think about it. But small amounts make a difference. And one of the reasons is, I don't know if you know what percentage return you'd have to get on average to double your money every 10 years. Do you know? Uh, off the top of my head, I don't, I'm afraid, no. OK, it's 7.2%. Uh-huh. Now, I'm not saying you'll get that every year or it's completely easy, but that's more or less the average investment uh, shares return over the years, yeah. um, including the investment. So actually, if the money you put in in your 20s, it may not be a lot. You may only get maybe 10 grand put together. But if that then doubles once by the time you're 40, again, by the time you're 50, it doubles every 10 years, potentially, or somewhere of that order. That small amount, by the time you come to need it for your financial freedom, will have gone away and grown. It will make a difference. So if there's, I should have prepared the stats about how much less you'd have if you start 10 years later in your pension, but the, it, look it up. It's scary. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's that that mm. I can find readily online. We'll link to that out of show notes. Mm. What oh, about what you. about people who are um, what about people who are my age? What about people who are sort of more uh, early 40s, say? Yeah, well. Start now. No. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, for real, though, yeah. Catch, no, seriously, no, catch up with the fact that you realise you didn't start early enough. None of us do. None of us do as much as we could have. Um, but, uh, yeah, the more you do. The thing is, keep reviewing it. Keep nudging it gently. Um, somebody was saying uh, in a podcast, do it until it just starts to hurt a bit. And then I would say <laughs> ease off. But they may not. You know, it depends how, how, how much you hate. I mean, you know, if you're in a job that you love and you want to do it till you're 80, then, you know, this is perhaps a bit less less urgent but most of us have other things we want to do besides work uh, and so you know it depends how much discomfort I won't say pain you're prepared to push through because uh, some of these guys in fire you, you know fire movement financial independence retire early they're practically living on baked beans in order to retire at 45 now nah, not for me um, I want to do some other things along the way great for them if that's what they want and, and hope when they get there um, that they do find other things to do because that's the other thing. Um, what you're going to do with the freedom? That's probably for the next age group. Um, <laughs> so um, yes, the ones in the forties. If you haven't uh, really engaged with it before, and that happens, you know, you're raising a family or pushing your career, what have you, um, then do. And as you say, educate yourself. There's fantastic podcasts. There's one called Squanderlust. I think it's particularly good. <laughs> no, but uh, people like um, Meaningful Money, um, Pete Matthew. I've, I've listened to. It. He's got so much material, and he goes explains so much really good sound uh, advice and there's just loads again look them up there's so much out there for free it's just unbelievable so do do the work um, educate yourself and uh, you know I, 
possibly get some advice or, or, or coaching or just sit down with a trusted friend and, and work out what, what do I, okay, so I'm, you know, at this stage in my life, I've enjoyed a few st- bit of stuff in the past. Have a view where you're going, what, what you want your life to be and really decide, grasp it and say, okay, yeah, it's worth, you know, a little bit less of this, that or the other to be able to do that thing that you want to do in the future. So yeah, grasp it. Don't let it just float gently by. And then you, know, <laughs> you think, oh, well, it's too late. It's not too late. You know, even in your 40s, you've got, your, you know, mm. you've got quite a bit of time left uh, to get. Uh, and even if it gives you an extra year or two before you retire, or even if it gives you just a more comfortable retirement when you get there, it's, it's all, all worth doing. Absolutely. And what about people who are heading towards retirement who either might think they've left it too late or they're thinking, well, you know, I'm not sure what I've got right now. What can Mm. they do? Well, certainly, yes. As you say, make sure you know exactly what your situation is. You know, find out what you've got with your employer if you're working. Um, uh, There's a thing called auto-enrolment now. It's, again, for the younger ones as well. The the employer has to put in 3% of your salary to a pension for you and you have to put in 4% and the government puts in another one. So you should be getting 8% of your salary into a pension uh, through your working life now. Um, You can opt out, but I wouldn't advise it unless for some desperate reason you have to. Um, And in fact, look into what your employer offers because most will um, match more contributions than that. So they'll say, well, if you put in another 5%, we'll put another 5% and suddenly you're getting to a really worthwhile amount. So do check into what they offer and you know, get as much match as you possibly can. Free money. We like free money. And we and really do like free money, yes. We love a bit yeah. of free money. Um, and, and from the tax man, of course. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. People yeah. don't understand how much free money you get in a pension. It's, it's oh, you know, wonderful. in terms of the tax you get back again. And, and yeah, it's like mm. that. There's so much. Absolutely. Yeah, 25% of the final pot tax-free. But also, like in a situation like I'm in now, I can take my 12,500 personal allowance um, uh, tax-free. You know, you can earn 12,500 grand before you start paying tax, personal yeah. allowance. So if I take, uh, I can take £1,000 a month out of that pension and pay no tax on that, Mm. In addition to the tax-free cash you can take, obviously, if I start earning money again, it gets more complicated. But just to bear mm-hmm. that in mind, often there's, there's couples where one doesn't work. So one mm-hmm. might be carrying on working, might be earning 80 grand a year, but the uh, the non-working spouse can still be taking out that 12 and a half grand a year uh, and yeah. you know, without paying any tax. So it's, again, worth planning, worth thinking about these things. Taking advantage of being able to take money out of uh, a pension without paying tax on it might not seem like a big thing, but if you do that for five years or something then you've you've managed to uh, extract more money tax-free than just the 25 percent that you can have so that's again something else to to plan for and uh, and take advantage of but yes the final age group about nearly retiring i'd say plan what you're going to do when you retire this isn't a financial thing particularly but people get their head down and trying so hard to get to that money and then they stop and they after a couple of weeks of whatever they're not doing very much, they get, oh, hmm, what am I going to do now? Um, and really our work life gives us a lot more than just money, um, you know, purposeful activity, social interaction, all sorts of things. Uh, so just plan ahead as to how realistically you're going to spend your time uh, and look forward to it as well as funding it. Yeah, I think that's super important. Um, you know, coming to a kind of dead halt, um, instead of instead of thinking about, you know, yeah, as you say, how are you going to spend your time? What do you actually want to do with yourself? 
um, mm. with the time that you have once you get that independence is really, really important. Um, mm. And I think, yeah, the last thing you, you want to do is to find that all of these things that we're giving structure to, structure to your day have kind of disappeared mm. um, and you you don't feel like you are kind of valuable anymore. So actually having... Mm having a sense of what your retirement is for as well as the fact that it mm. you're saving for it or that it exists is actually mm. is actually really really important yeah i mean there's different motivations isn't it away from i don't want you know to have to work i don't want to be poor to and then there's towards which is i want to you know you may maybe some charitable stuff you want to do or you want to travel or you want to spend time with your grandchildren you know the you need yeah. both those or, things or be doing creative things i don't know with your time yeah. that wouldn't wouldn't pay you so yeah there's lots of there's lots of good stuff that we can be going towards um i think that's really important kathy you've been a joy to talk to thank you so much (laughs) um did yourself too Oh, um, where can our listeners find you if they if they want some money coaching or if they um just want to want to get in touch um where can (laughs) they find you Okay, well, my website is very rudimentary, really, but it's uh, www.myfinancialcoach.co.uk, all one word. Um, so if you want to pop on there, there's an inquiry form or email me at kathy at myfinancialcoach.co.uk. be very happy to have a chat and uh, see if I can help in any way. Excellent. Amazing. Kathy, you, you've been a complete star. It's been a real pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much. Thank you. I've enjoyed it, Martha. You've been listening to Squanderlust, the podcast about the emotional side of money with me, Martha Lawton. If you've enjoyed the show, please follow us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. We'd love one of those nice five-star reviews too. Or you can tell a friend about us, maybe somewhere on social media where we're at Squanderlust Pod. You can also find us at squanderlustpod.com where we put show notes, useful links and ways to support the show. Squandlust is sponsored by Wardour Studios in Fitzrovia, London, with production by David Smith, Alicia Cunningham, Charlie Brandon King and Tom Berry. Our theme music is by Wardour Studios and graphic design by Jason Reed. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.